I often say this when I'm greeted with a standing ovation, I can only disappoint you now. <laughs> it's actually, I'm, so, I'm not kidding, it's intimidating. Uh, your opening greeting, how can I match that <laughs> with my talk? I hope you feel that way after my talk. It's, it's one thing to feel it before. I'm really touched by everything about this place. Pastor Jurgen, the other pastors, every single human I have met that is affiliated with the Awakened Church has touched my soul. I want you to know that. I thought a lot about what I would talk about last night. I was here about a month, six weeks ago. In the meantime, I had COVID. <laughs> so I am now Superman. Just for the record. <laughs> Natural immunity is the way to go. Exactly. So you can hug me and you're perfectly safe. But I, I, was, I was thinking, what will I talk about? Uh, I have been speaking since I was 21. I have a very odd life. And that, that's a story unto itself, how I began lecturing at such a young age. But uh, I would say that 99% of the time, I bring some notes with me. With me. I think it's very helpful because I don't, there are things I want to say that I may forget. And usually the notes are literally on the back of a business card. <laughs> so it's not exactly many notes, but I, I purposely didn't do that tonight, just as I don't at my fireside chats. I just wanted to talk to you utterly spontaneously. It's a risk, but that's how I feel about this church and all of you coming. Just heart to heart is a great Hebrew saying, which I'll say in English, unless, would you, hey, you probably would like to hear it in Hebrew. Oh, I, I could tell who I'm talking to. All right, fine, for whatever it's worth, words that go from the heart enter the heart. It is a very beautiful phrase. Yes. So, that's, I want to share with you a lot, a lot of thoughts that I have had uh, in, in, in life and what is happening now in America and in the Western world. You, by, by you, I mean especially America's traditional Christians. If you, if you don't fight, America is lost. And if America is lost, the West is lost. And this is a Jew telling you this. No, no, I want to make that clear. I've given up on, on America's Jews, but I haven't given up on you. <laughs> and let me say, I'm not happy to say that part about my fellow Jews. It's a very sad thing to say. And, 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 a, and a substantial number of terrific conservatives keeping up the Judeo-Christian value system are Jews. I'm a Jew, Ben Shapiro's a Jew, Dave Rubin's a Jew. I mean, we're, we're, we're out there fighting. But most Jews, and for that matter, most Christians, to be honest, have been poisoned by, by leftism. And, and so I, I wanna make clear what, what I was saying, but if you, you have the numbers, if, if you don't carry the torch of liberty and, and that God is the author of liberty, it's all over. 
That's what I need you to understand. So that's why it's so powerful for me to be at all these churches that I speak. This is, by the way, prove that I'm a character. I often do this at, at church events. I'll just go over to somebody at, at the dinner before my talk. Hi, I'm Dennis Prager, tallest Jew in America. <laughs> that is utterly absurd. It is 100% absurd, but I just get a kick out of doing it. My, my, my view, if you've heard my radio show, is I've often said the absurd keeps me sane. The insane keeps me sane. We're living in an insane time. So I was telling the pastor, here is a test that you might want to ask a, a friend or relative who's not on our side politically, philosophically, morally, etc. Ask them the following two questions. When the cockpit door shuts on the plane you're flying on, do you think the pilots keep the masks on? <laughs> good one, huh? That's a good one. Then you know if you're speaking to a dummy or a non-dummy. It is, it is a perfect question. It is like asking, are you a dummy? Because if they think the pilots are wearing masks, they're a dummy. It's sad. I hope your relative or friend says, oh, I don't, I don't think so. But they might. They really might. That means they really have drunk the Kool-Aid. You think the pilots wear masks? So, so, oh, by the way, second question of the two. Do you hope they are? That's key. That is key. Do you want, you're flying LA, New York, five and a half hours. Would you like your pilots to breathe in their own air for five and a half hours while piloting your jet going 600 miles per hour? Or would you prefer they have fresh air for five and a half hours? Right? Now, I assume that very few of you have a college degree because you are so clear thinking <laughs> that it's hard to imagine that you got a degree. This is an old thing on my show. Guy would say a particularly stupid thing, and I never insult my callers because I want people who don't agree with me to call. So I, but I will say after a particularly stupid comment, I'm just curious, did you go to college? And which, to which invariably they'll say, well, why do you ask? I'll say, because you had to go to college to say something that stupid. <laughs> and then I make it clear, please know I'm not insulting you. And I mean it, I'm not. I'm insulting colleges. That's a very important distinction. And if you got a graduate degree, you get stupider. <laughs> it's a graduate degree in foolishness. This is how bad it is. Very few people who never went to college will say men give birth. <laughs> Correct? You have to go to college or graduate school to say men give birth. That's really something. I was on Bill Maher's show two, exactly two years ago, fall of uh, 2019. And uh, he, he was talking about how much Donald Trump lies, 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 lies said, well, it doesn't compare to anything that the, the left's lies. He goes, what do you mean? You could watch this. It's on, this dialogue between Bill Maher and myself is on YouTube. And 
I, I, he said, what are you talking about? I said, I'll give you two examples. Uh, that America is systemically racist is one of the greatest lies in history. It's the least racist multiracial country in the history of humanity. <laughs> and, and the other one is men menstruate. <laughs> so he looks at me and starts to laugh. And the audience is also all laughing at me. What are you talking about? Who says men menstruate? This is a, a historical document, that show, that particular show. It shows you how fast anything the left says becomes normative. Right. Two years ago, I was laughed on national television. I was laughed at for saying that the left says men menstruate. Today, if you don't say men menstruate, you're a hater. That is how fast the left changes people's minds into the absurd. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's astonishing, the manipulation of language. The American Medical Association recently announced that birth certificates in the United States should not indicate the sex of the baby born. The American Medical Association why? Why would the American Medical Association deny that children are born male or female? A, a, do they deny that uh, buffalo are born male and female? Penguins? Of course not. Only humans are not born male and female. Isn't that astonishing? This is the American Medical Association that we're supposed to believe on COVID and on, uh, and on vaccinations. By the way, if they didn't lie so much, I would believe them. I have no faith in anything with the word medicine in it in the United States of America. I say this with no joy. I was raised to venerate doctors, and I did most of my life. I even defended until two years ago the pharmaceutical industry. I would say to people, when people would attack big pharma, I would say on my show, what are you talking about? Whatever that you could say about them that's wrong, they save so many lives with pharmaceutical drugs. Everything, my whole perspective has changed in the last two years. I don't trust anything the pharmaceutical companies say. I don't trust anything the, journal, the New England Journal of Medicine. New England Journal of Medicine, the latest issue. I actually get it in the email, amazingly, in order to see what they're printing. The New England Journal of Medicine, the most prestigious medical journal in the United States, one of the most prestigious in the world, just published an article and it used the term Latinx for Latino. By the way, there was no Latin human being living who says Latinx. Did you know that? Ask anyone you know from Latin America, hey, you know what Latinx is? They'll say, I don't know, maybe it's a Latino Kleenex. I don't know, they, they may not know. It would be a logical thing for them to surmise. It's, it's, it's a tissue made in Brazil. I, I, I don't know. Latinx, the New England Journal of Medicine is so woke, so corrupted that it says the word Latinx. I, I was raised to venerate doctors. My own brother, who was a spectacular doctor, is a doctor. This is painful for me to tell you, I trust nothing coming from the medical world. Nothing. I don't say everything they say is a lie. 
I just don't know what is a lie and what is true. There's no way to know. There is no way to know anymore. This is part of the process in the United States of what I call, is, it is one of the five most important realizations you could come to, and that is the left ruins everything it touches. So let me tell you, this is very important to understand. There is no exception to that rule. I'll tell you when I discovered this. I remember exactly when. The left made uh, a war, made war on the Boy Scouts many years ago. They hate the Boy Scouts because when, when it was really the Boy Scouts, it, it was a beautiful organization. It taught boys character, uh, self-reliance, taking care of others, taking care of yourself. It was a beautiful organization. They hate beauty. The left hates beauty, literally. It hates beautiful art. It hates beautiful music. It hates beautiful people. It hates beautiful, uh, beautiful organizations. There's something sick at the heart of leftism. Oh, by the way, this is very important that I make this point clear at the beginning. And it, somebody told me it, it really shook them up at my last talk here at Awaken. I always make a distinction between liberal and left. So when I say left, I don't mean liberal. Here is the issue. N liberalism shares no values with leftism. The tragedy of the West, and of America specifically, is that liberals don't acknowledge that. They think their enemy is conservatives, whereas their ally are conservatives. Their enemy is the left. The left is the enemy of liberal values. The left has bought the lie that they have to vote left to fight the right. But there's nothing wrong with the right. Bunch of decent people, basically. Preserving basically decent values. The left is not. Ask, ask, by the way, I have an article which I really wish you would all look up. 32 questions to ask your friend or relative to find out if they're a liberal or a leftist. 32 questions. Here's one. Do you support all black dormitories on college campuses? If you do, you're either a member of the Ku Klux Klan or a leftist. They're the only two groups who believe in all black dormitories, correct? Liberals and conservatives believe in racial integration. The left and the Ku Klux Klan believe in racial segregation. Columbia University, which I attended, Columbia University had six graduations last year. One for blacks, one for whites, one for Latinos or Latinx, one for, one for gays, and uh, I don't remember the other one. Isn't that astonishing? That is, that is, that's not liberal. That's fascist, that's racist, that is primitive. Columbia University, which is utterly, utterly ruined by the left, and which is a phony organization. They keep the name Columbia. That's Columbus. They don't support, they don't, at Columbia, there's no Columbus Day, but their name is Columbia. How's that? Because they know how much money they would lose if they changed their name to, let's say, Indigenous University. <laughs> but they should. They want, uh, they want uh, October 12th to be, uh, to be Indigenous Day, not Columbus Day.
God, we live in a world of fakery. So uh, there are so many distinctions between left and, and liberal. I just wanted to make that clear to you. And you need to make that clear to, to liberal friends. I'd just like to know, my beloved, and I, mean, I don't mean this sarcastically, my beloved sister, my beloved mother, my beloved uh, uh, boyfriend, whatever it might be. I'd just like to know if you're a leftist or a liberal. And they'll say, well, what do you mean? So that's a good example. Do you support all black dormitories? Or how about Israel? Liberals were the biggest supporters of Israel. They continue to be. The left hates Israel. The Israeli ambassador to, to the United Kingdom was, was attacked last week at the London School of Economics when she left us from a speech. She was rushed out by security so as not to be injured. There is no other ambassador in the world the left would attack like Israel's ambassador. That tells you all you need to know about the left. They're evil, pure, undiluted evil. 200 countries on earth, 200 plus, and the only one that they hate is Israel. 22 Arab countries, no place for a Jewish country, place for a 23rd Arab country. No place for one Jewish country the size of New Jersey, I might add. The size of New Jersey. 53 Muslim countries in the world, but on the left there is no room for one Jewish one. But hey, they're not anti-Semitic. They're just anti the Jewish state. I've always gotten a kick out of that. I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm anti-Zionist. So let me ask you a question. What would you say to somebody who said, I want you to know I love Italians, I'm not anti-Italian, but I think Italy should be exterminated. <laughs> okay, why is that any different from the anti-Zionist and Israel? This is the backwards world that uh, you don't live in. Isn't that remarkable? By the way, this is a very important question since I'm thinking out loud with you. Why don't you believe it? Why does this audience 90%, maybe 10% of you were dragged here, <laughs> drugged and brought to a speech of mine. So 90% plus of you, why do you agree with me? And, and it's an interesting question. What do you share? What do you and I share? <laughs> hey. All right. Who is the woman who shouted that out? Would you please stand up? Okay. <laughs> I love that. I have a great anecdote to prove your point. I'm at the Philadelphia airport about three years ago. Every year, no matter where it is, if it's at an airport especially, people come over to take selfies, usually young people. And so, or they just pass by and go, say hi to Otto, which I feel, what am I, chopped liver? That's it. Anyway, so a guy comes over to me. Now, let me, to be perfectly open with you, if I think a guy is handsome, he must really be handsome. Because the last thing most men think of when they meet a man is, is he good looking? All right, no, 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 unless you're gay. And, and it's not an issue to me, but a heterosexual man doesn't think, is the guy good looking? All right? Okay. So I was struck by how good-looking he was. I was, I mean, look, 
I mean, to be honest, it makes sense. Some, some men are just very good looking. Okay, anyway, so that struck me. He was, he was uh, very tall and uh, it struck. Anyway, he just comes over to me and he says, Dennis Prager, I love your work. I watch your videos, I love PragerU. I go, thank you so much. And I detected a tiny, tiny accent. I go, I'm just curious, where are you from? He said, Norway. And I thought, whoa, you're from Norway? Are you a Norwegian in Norway or American in Norway? Norwegian, Norwegian. You're a Norwegian conservative? <laughs> and he goes, and now you'll know, madam over there, why I'm telling the story. He goes, I have no idea if I'm conservative. I just have common sense. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I'd like to know what positions we hold that are not common sense. I really would. I would reject it. I would reject any position that normative conservatism holds that did not comport with common sense. That is exactly right. But there is something else that you here, probably most of you and I share, and that is God. And I have often said on my radio show that if you had to summarize my life's work in one sentence, it is that I have tried to explain to people the consequences of secularism. That has been my life's work. People, even most religious people, don't know it. What are the consequences of secularism? So to, I'm going to answer that. I mean, I could give you the whole talk just on that, but, I'll, but I, I just want to make this point clear to you. How we never think in terms of religious secular as the big problem and the big reason for the divide. So I, I think about this and I, I, I think, gee, how, how can we explain this to, to people? And then you look and you see, hmm, well, overwhelmingly, positions on the left emanate from the secular world and positions on the right emanate from the Judeo-Christian world. So when I speak about consequences of secularism, they're huge, they're huge. And the God issue is everything. So here's an example. And if you haven't heard me say this, or, or you have and you forgot, which is not an issue, <laughs> I'm not hurt. Uh, but this is very big. So allow me a little Bible because that's my, my, the source of whatever wisdom I have. And I have written a Bible commentary and this is the, I've never ever push anything that I've done that costs money. <laughs> PragerU videos are free, so I feel easy about pushing them. But I do believe if you read my Bible commentary, the Rational Bible, it would affect your life so profoundly that you, you can't even imagine before you read it. So I have Genesis and Exodus out. Deuteronomy is coming out next year. By the way, <laughs> just talk about miracles. Costco 
ordered 25,000 copies. <laughs> Wait. Of Deuteronomy. Genesis and Exodus are known. 90% of Americans can't spell Deuteronomy. And 95% never heard of it. Costco was ordered, that's, by the way, I, I often say, if Costco orders 25,000 copies of Leviticus, no, we are really in a messianic age. For you, the second coming, for me, the first, but it is definitely the age of the Messiah. All right, anyway. So I write in Genesis that I think the most important verse in the Bible is Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Because if you don't accept that, why bother reading anything else? That's like pretty basic. God created the universe. Thank you. Okay. But here's my new theory developed in the course of writing this. And that is the second most important verse in the Bible is Genesis 1-2, which nobody would think about as important. And the earth was null and void is the translation. We don't know the translation because they're unique Hebrew words. So really what it is is everything was chaos. What did God do for the six days? He didn't create anything else but the human being. The word bara, which is create, is only used about the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1-1 and about the human being. Isn't that fascinating? What does God do for six days? Makes order out of chaos. So now, here's, that's not the punchline. That's important, but that's not the punchline. Now it took me a lifetime to understand the left wants to revert to chaos. Now you understand the left in one sentence. Men give birth is chaos. That's all it is. Men menstruate is chaos. Israel is the villain is chaos. America is systemically racist is chaos. It's all chaos. That's all they know how to make. And it is back to the God issue. These are the folks alienated from this Bible. You and I have common sense and the Bible. That's what we share. That's critical to understand. The left is the opposite of Judeo-Christian values. It hates them. The idea that there is order. We believe that the Bible is accurate when it says. And God created Adam, the human being, Zachar unikeva bara otam. Male and female, he created them. Doesn't talk about animals being created male and female. It's true they are, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that we remember there is only one division inherent to human beings, male and female. It is a divinely ordered distinction between male and female. They hate that. They hate it. The idea that we believe in a binary human being, sexually speaking, they hate. Why? 
You have to ask why. Because they hate the Judeo-Christian order that we believe in. That's the battle, my friends. It is about common sense, but not only about common sense. This is, this is the, the battle, and you must know that. And too many religious people don't know it. That's why I beg you to read the book, The Rational Bible, to make, be able to make this case with, with points like that, to understand that chaos is what, is what is... Look, you want chaos? Look at the arts. Everything the left touches, I said they ruin, but what they do is they ruin it by making it chaos. Listen to this. Here's a perfect example. You probably don't know. I follow this stuff for all of my life. You don't know how much scatological art there is. Scatology has to do with urine and feces. There is a massive amount of urine and fecal matter art that the left has created and calls art. That's chaos. I'll give you an example. Look it up. New York Times a few years ago, a, a, they gave a serious review in their art section, serious review to a gigantic exhibit at a Dutch museum, gigantic exhibit, uh, bigger than, than this hall, than this church. And uh, what was it? Giant, this is their words, turds. <laughs> yeah. The woman reviews it and said, I am here at such and such museum in, in, uh, in Holland, walking among giant turds. And now you would, that's right, you're laughing, but it's not a laughing matter. This is serious art at the New York Times, get it? This is serious. This is worthy of respect. This is chaos. Turds are not art. Turd is the opposite of art. Remember, do you remember? How many of you, I'm curious, just raise your hand. How many of you heard of Piss Christ? See, not many of you, that's interesting. It was a very big deal when it came out. This artist, Serrano, put uh, a crucifix uh, in his urine, and it went all over America to museums. It's a brilliant work of art, no? I mean, think about it. You wouldn't think about it. It never would occur to you, would it? It's astonishing. Can you imagine putting a leftist hero in, in, in a bottle of urine? You, you'd be killed. Right? But Christ, <laughs> piss Christ, guy's a genius. Genius to do that. This stuff is taken seriously. That's basically what they want to do with religion, piss on it. That is an autobiographical statement, piss Christ. That is exactly right. You and I stand in their way. And you'll get hated for it. Just know you will get hated for it. People say to me often, yo, Dennis, and it very touches me, by the way. Dennis, just want you to know how much uh, my wife and I love you, but uh, I'm sure you hear that all the time. It's a very common thing said to me, and I always have a response. I go, I do hear that a lot, but I also hear the opposite a lot. Really? People hate you? I said, why don't you just Google Dennis Prager asshole? Forgive me, Pastor, I, I do watch my language, but what am I gonna say? <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of hits, my friends. It may be up to a million right now. 
There were 4,000 FU Dennis Pragers just on one tweet last week because I had the chutzpah to say that the unvaccinated are pariahs the way the, that uh, the gays were during the AIDS crisis. But you see, they have a monopoly on victimhood. There are no non-left-wing victims. That's what they believe. However, I would argue that, that the unvaccinated are bigger, uh, are bigger pariahs. Were, were AIDS uh, or, or gays or, or people with AIDS banned from travel? Were they, were they banned from restaurants? Were they fired from their jobs? Were they, were they deprived of a, a way of feeding their family? The unvaccinated are the most hated group uh, since, uh, I would say, since slavery. Name, name me, name, tell me, tell me who would be uh, equivalent. You can say anything you want. You could wish us death. And, and we are wish death. It's exactly right. They should not be allowed into hospitals. Jimmy Kimmel basically said that, and, uh, and, and a whole bunch of others whose names elude me for the moment because I don't follow them much. But uh, the, you could say anything you want about the unvaccinated. Yep. Even the unvaccinated who had COVID. When the Israel study, Israel is one of the most vaccinated countries in the world, and even their study came out and said people with natural immunity are more immune to COVID than people with a vaccine. The only group that denies that is the CDC. I'm supposed to believe the CDC? Isn't that amazing? Britain has given that test. The Cleveland Clinic has come out with those results. Studies all over the world that the naturally immune are, are better protected than people with vaccines. It's not a knock on vaccines. It's just a knock on the left for lying about it. But they lie for a living. It's, very, uh, it's a very big battle, my friend. This is a truly, this is an epic battle. And if we lose, they're going to go into the dark ages. I, I, I mean, what they're doing, as I said, everything the left touches, it ruins. I gave you the art example. <laughs> so, your wonderful pastor said I was a character, which is entirely accurate. By the way, you either are or aren't. It, 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 you, you can't become a character. Like, you can't say to a kid, what would you like to be when you grow up? A character. <laughs> if a kid says that, they're a character. Okay, I mean, it's a, it's a given. <laughs> so the world is divided. It's, we're a small group. We're not tiny, but we're small. There are male characters, female characters. I acknowledge, so, I, so I'm one of them. So here's a, a perfect example. I, I am who I, I, I was who I am, in my teens. I'm a very strange person. I knew what I wanted to do with my life when I was a teenager. And I knew th there's a lot of bad stuff going on. And I loved classical music. I fell in love with it. Uh, truly, literally fell in love with it upon first hearing. I went to Carnegie Hall. I grew up in New York for a dollar. I, I did everything but homework. I did. I did no homework throughout high school. I was proud to say I had one notebook for all four years. And uh, by the way, I was rewarded. I, was graduate, I graduated in the top 80% uh, of my class. <laughs> You're swift. There are audiences I say that to, and they all look at each other. That sounds pretty good to me. 
<laughs> so for those who missed it, top 80% is bottom 20%. Okay. But I, I, was, I wanted to learn about everything in life. So there was one teacher in my high school, to his great credit, who brought us $1 tickets to everything. A Shakespeare play in New York, a, a Broadway show in New York, a ballet in New York. So one, and I tried everything. I said, what am I going to fall in love with? So he, I got a one, $1 ticket to Carnegie Hall. And uh, the, the next day, I bought $32 of tickets, my entire month's worth of lunch money. I didn't go with lunch for a month to buy classical music tickets. And, and since then, I, I, I taught myself how to conduct. I conduct orchestras. I conducted at the Disney Concert Hall two, three years ago. I'm very serious about music. Okay. So when I, I, my junior year abroad, I was in England. I was in Leeds, four hours from London. And there was a concert in London I wanted to go to. Spent four hours on the train to go into London go to a concert, before the major piece, they had a modern piece. Well, okay, I'll listen. So the modern piece was like the turds exhibit <laughs> for the ear. The turds exhibit was for the eye, this was for the ear. This was musical turd. <laughs> so I'm not exaggerating, this is how it sounded, at least to me, which, to make it worse, it wasn't even instrumental, it was vocal. Vocal atonal is painful. <laughs> okay. So this thing goes on for about 10 minutes, and then people applaud. Politely, they, by the way, I don't have a problem. I, I feel for the, for the performer. Okay, they know it's junk, we know it's junk. It's truly, no, it truly is. I have a lot of friends in music, they know this is junk, okay. Then, however, they say, and now will you please greet the composer? Okay, this is, this is asking too much for me. I'll applaud the performer to be nice. I'm not gonna applaud the composer of this turd. <laughs> So he comes out, and sure enough, I booed. <laughs> I am proud. <laughs> Your pastor arose and applauded me for that. I love that guy. Yeah. I actually booed. So what happened? Brit's in front of me, seating turned around and gave me, a, I don't know if it was a dirty look or a quizzical look. And I, when they turned around, I said, I'm just curious, did you like it? <laughs> that was what we call a moment of revelatory truth. They thought it was as junk as I did, but I booed. We need booers. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. You, I, and your pastor were booers. We're saying boo to the cacophony that the left produces. And it's all cacophony. It, that's all it is. Good is bad, bad is good. 
Beautiful is ugly, ugly is beautiful. I mean, look at modern architecture. Tucker Carlson was in Hungary a couple of months ago. I don't know if you saw his broadcast. His broadcast from Hungary, and I was, I was there because I was the other speaker for this Hungarian conference, conference of young conservatives in, in Buda, outside of Budapest. So he spoke uh, Saturday, I spoke Friday. And to his great credit, he, he mostly spoke about architecture and how ugly modern architecture is. And when you look at the architecture of the 19th century and early 20th, how beautiful and regal and uplifting, but they don't like the uplifting. I, it's hard for, I must say, I do acknowledge this, it, they don't understand us, and we don't understand them. How could you call beautiful ugly? What makes you tick? How could you look at the architecture of the early 20th and late 19th century and look at the architecture of today and say, oh, this is, do you think this is inspiring? Do you think atonal music is inspiring? Music has to have tonality. Leonard Bernstein, who was a big liberal, said atonal music is an oxymoron. It's a self-contradictory statement. If it isn't tonal, it isn't music. It's, all it is is instruments making, well, noise, playing notes. It's notes, but it's not music. That, in a nutshell, is the left. This is what I mean, chaos. I don't know why people love chaos, but this is my, my working theory. What explains at least a good part of the left is indeed secularism. I have, a, I have an equation. Let me see if I remember it. Boredom plus affluence equals leftism. No, wait, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I missed one equation. I knew it. Boredom plus affluence plus secularism equals leftism. Those three have terrible consequences. Secularism leaves an empty soul. It has to, by definition. There's nothing transcendent. Your life is meaningless. People can't live with meaninglessness. It's, it's not possible. The human desire for meaning is greater than the human desire for sex. The only greater desire is food. Food, then meaning. By the way, on the sex issue, it's easily provable. There are people who do not have sex, have meaning, and lead a happy life. There are people who have plenty of sex, no meaning, and are miserable. Meaning is everything. If you don't have it, you seek it. Secularism has deprived people of meaning, so they look for it in secular substitutes for religion. Every leftist-ism is a substitute for Judaism and Christianity. That's what it is. Every ism, you name the ism, environmentalism, uh, feminism, uh, humanism, uh, not, not to mention fascism, communism, and Nazism. These are all creations, they're substitutes for Christianity. And I say Christianity because that obviously is the dominant religion in the West, not Judaism. So I will say Christianity. I ask my fellow Jews a question. I ask my fellow Americans of, of any faith or no faith. 
When Christianity died in Europe, we got fascism, communism, and Nazism. What will we get in the United States if Christianity fails? Ask that along with the pilot question. I'm not kidding. Ask that. This is what we got in Europe. Oh, secularism produces another great, uh, great consequence. No children. If you, hear, if you meet a couple, you hear about a couple, they have six kids. Every single one of you assumes, and you would bet serious money, they're religious. Either Orthodox Jew, committed Christian, uh, committed Catholic, or Mormon, correct? I've never met a secular family with six children. I'm sure it exists, everything exists. But it is, it is unheard of. Even four children now, in fact, any children now, the secular argument is don't have children. Don't get married. One of the consequences of, of secularism is, is our marriage dearth. This is the lowest marriage rates in American history. The lowest children rates in American history. Europe, European countries like Germany and Russia are, are actually disappearing. They're literally disappearing. They can't, uh, they can't, they don't reproduce. One of the, one of the uh, consequences of secularism. Marriage is a value, not an instinct. I thought it was an instinct. I grew up with love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. That was a very, that was a famous song when I grew up. Now, what are you talking about? Love and marriage? They have nothing to do with each other. You can love without marriage. Why would, why would marriage follow love? How many women call me up? So how long I, I have a male, female hour every Wednesday. And so I will ask a woman, how, how, long you, uh, how long are you dating? 10 years. And would you like to be married? Of course. And, and what about him? He says it's just a piece of paper. I always love that one, because I have a great answer. I go, so why don't you just say to him, honey, since it's just a piece of paper, why not sign it? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a phony argument. It's just a piece of paper. It's baloney. It's the biggest deal in the world. Boyfriend or husband is a big difference. Girlfriend or wife is a big difference. When you're 21, it's fine. This is my girlfriend. When you're 41 or 61, my view is, why don't you grow up? Well, <laughs> how interesting. You never know what I'll touch people. But well, that's how I look at it. That's right. All right. My time is up, but uh, don't feel bad uh, on the assumption that you even do feel bad, which is a little arrogant on my part. <laughs> For all I know, you're relieved. I have no way of, uh, well, I do have a way of assessing. You seem to have been pretty much on top of every line. But uh, there's, we're going to have a lot of time for Q&A, which, which is my favorite part because I've heard me very often, but I have not heard you. So, my friends, listen. It's really important that you know this, and I'll end on a very serious note. We're not alone. 
the people who love liberty and love God and love the Bible and love this country are in the tens upon tens of millions. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Dennis Prager, everybody. Wow. Unbelievable. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Come on. Unbelievable. That was incredible. You guys can grab a seat as the, the team kind of gets uh, the next moment here ready Perfect. as we get into a Q&A. Oh, whoa, watch out. We almost, yeah. we almost, uh, was tricky. We almost uh, took yeah. you out there unintentionally. So are you a liberal or a left? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You're a legend. You're a legend. So, buddy. Um, right now, Pastor Sterling Powell, right over here to my right, your left, and Pastor Marissa, yes, is going to be right over here. We're about ready to get in. She's got a spotlight. You didn't get a spotlight. Wow, well, there it is. All right. I thought it was, felt a little sexist for a second, but that's cool. Um, is that another, is that a left thing? Sexism? That's a left thing? Okay. All right. Cool. That was a test. I was testing you guys. So uh, if you guys want to ask some questions, which I'm sure many of you do, uh, what right now, as we're about to get ready into, you can start lining up right behind either Pastor Sterling or Pastor Marissa. Go to them. They will vet out the questions. If it's a good question, they will have you ask it. If it's a horrible question, you will not be asking it, okay? So just as a quick heads up, just to help make their job a little easier. That's just kind of the reality of it. So unless you want to ask questions about auto, that is acceptable as an animal question. Other than that, uh, no dog questions will be allowed. So, um, you know what? Thank you, uh, Dennis, for bringing this up. I think this is so important. You talk about freedom. It's why we as Awaken are so passionate about this is because we're not just fighting for general, you know, sort of, you know, euphoric concepts of freedom. We're fighting for liberty and faith at the same time because we know that liberty Liberty flows from faith. It flows from our Christianity. It flows from the Word of God that we fight for. So this is why we're so passionate about it. And we're so excited to keep bringing great speakers who are bringing the truth to us, like Dennis Prager. We're about to ready to get into these questions. So one more time, let's thank Dennis Prager as we get ready to have the Q and A. All right, question number one. Drum roll, please. How's it going, Dennis? Thank you for coming tonight. I, I'm a recent college graduate. It's not you, it's me. Okay. Uh, I'm a recent college graduate, and when I was off at university, one of the main things that I saw the left doing at university was a complete dismantlement of the idea of human hierarchies, they, they saw no value in having human hierarchies of competence or human hierarchies of, of even the idea of order. And so you, you touched on that a little bit, but could you expound on that just a little more? They, they loathe hierarchy except, except with them. They are all believers that they are on the top of the human pyramid. If I have a PhD in, in, uh, in gender studies, I am a better human being, they believe, than certainly someone who didn't go to college, uh, or, or, any, or, or any of you or me. They, they, they do believe that there is that, only that hierarchy. That's why I said they don't believe in beauty. 
That's exactly right. This, and by the way, this is not new. This goes to the beginning of the 20th century. Atonal music began like all stupid ideas in Germany. And uh, but that's a, it's one, no, no, I, I live by aphorisms, one of both that I've learned and that I've made up. And I'm sorry that I made this one up, but it's very helpful in understanding the world. Germany is always wrong. And uh, it, it is an amazing thing, actually. I never thought I could say that about, but they are. And, and I have great German friends who agree with me, by the way. Uh, I mean, when, it occurred to me when Merkel brought in a million people from the Middle East, uh, and I realized they're always wrong. And they started socialism under Bismarck in the 19th century. Do you know why left-wing ideas caught on in America? Because Americans would go to Germany for PhDs, because American universities didn't award them. And they would learn this drivel in, in Germany. And you know why Germany started socialism? To keep Germans from moving to America. It was a bribery, which all, all socialism is, is bribery. Vote for us, we'll give you money. And people buy it. Anyway, they don't believe in beauty. Beauty is hierarchical. Yeah. They do not, the, the, uh, a, a true fool, the, the head uh, classical music critic for the New York Times uh, wrote uh, years ago, who are we to say that Brahms first, or Beethoven's third it was, or Beethoven's seventh, one of the two, uh, uh, is greater than uh, Indonesian gamelan music? And that's a stupid comment. It's no insult to Indonesian gamelan music to say that Beethoven's third is greater. It is, and the proof is nobody outside of Indonesia is playing Indonesian gamelan music. Everyone on earth is playing Beethoven, everyone. The, there are more orchestras per capita in South Korea than in the United States. They're not playing gamelan music. They're not playing Korean music. They're playing Beethoven, a German. By the way, they wrote the greatest music, just to show you I'm not anti-German. Okay, Mozart, Haydn, Bach, Beethoven, Schumann, Schubert, they're all German. If you didn't write German, there's no classical music. So you're right, they hate, they hate the idea of the beautiful, of the better. Shakespeare's no, Shakespeare isn't great. Shakespeare studied because he's a white European male. At the University of Pennsylvania English Department, that's, an, that's not only elite, it's an Ivy League school. They took down the mural of Shakespeare at the English Department because he was a white European male. And they put up a non-white lesbian poet whom no one heard of. Yikes. What are her qualifications? She, lesbian, non-white. We're gonna have a turn over here. Your turn. Hi, Mr. Prager. It's such an honor to be able to, to um, have you here tonight. I've Thank been listening you. to you for about 25 years, and you've been so formative in who I have become. Well, I believe that only because if in your case, 25 years means you started at five. No, I'm, I'm 51, so it's... What, it, what was that? I'm 51. You're 51? Yes, and my husband and 51 I 51 has changed over the course of generations. <laughs> I just want to say this for the record. Hey, I just want to say for the record, when I was a kid and you met someone 51, they were 51. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I wanted to ask you about 
um, like starting kind of a, a, a PragerU spin-off thing of active uh, PragerU fans that get onto leftist comment section sites and post. I do this all the time. I have a lot of fun with it. So I'll go on moveon.org and Cap Action and CNN and whatever they're discussing that you have a video that will correspond to the opposite argument, I'll get on and then just say you know, to somebody very respectfully, watch this, tell me what is not true. Just na nobody ever says anything that's not true. But you, know, you get a lot of a lot of hate back, and you know, you're told you're an idiot a lot, so you have to be okay with that. But um, I think it's, we're all in our information bubbles. People stay in their information bubbles, so I felt like it's really, really essential that we break those bubbles by going into their information bubbles. Right, okay, thank you. Let me just say this, very important. They're much more in a bubble than we are. You can't be in a right-wing bubble. You, you would have to leave the planet. <laughs> if you went to school from kindergarten to college, you were in a left-wing environment. If you watch TV, you're watching left. If you go to the movies, you're, you're watching left. Everything is left. You, it's almost impossible to, to avoid. They are in a bubble. They don't have a clue. That's why they don't debate us. They can never win because we know everything they think and they know nothing we think. That's a very important thing to understand. I, I have offered tens of thousands of dollars to New York Times columnists to debate me anywhere in America. And they won't. I'll give it to, I'll give it to Black Lives Matter if you want. Just debate me. They never debate, but they do attack. Whoa. But they never debate. Amazing. And I don't blame them. No, no eloquent leftists will ever defeat an eloquent rightist in a debate. And I'll tell you why. Because theirs is entirely emotion-based and non-fact-based. And because of the other thing, they don't know what we say and we know everything they say. As regards their comments, I did a whole column about three months ago. There was another... another uh, uh, hysterical comment about the existential threat of global warming. Okay, I've now been hearing it for 32 years. The world is coming to an end in 12 years. Every 12 years, the world is coming to an end. Things seem to be doing pretty fine as it happens. Okay, so is another New York Times uh, alarmist piece on global warming. So I, I, I read the comments, not, not, there may be thousand comments, I didn't read all thousand, but I read many, and, and I wrote a whole column on the comments. Now remember, to comment on the New York Times, you have to be a subscriber to the New York Times. So that means that you have to have the money to do so, and overwhelmingly likely, unless you're, you're like me, you're a leftist who agrees with the New York Times. So I want to see what the people on the left think. I read comments on the New York Times. Comment after comment went as follows. This is so true. Let me tell you my story. I have, I have children, and I am proud of them for deciding not to have children. As much as I want to be a grandparent, I don't want my children to bring a child into a world where they will be 
dead because of global warming. Do you know what it takes to scare a person into not wanting grandchildren? These people are sick. The power of fear is the greatest power on earth. It is more powerful than love. It is more powerful than hate. And I didn't know this till the last year. I just want you to know that's the amazing thing. This is a revelation in my life. I thought love or hate is the greatest, uh, most powerful emotion in life. It's not true. Fear is greater. And this, this whole thing with vaccines and everything, this all proves it. Lock people down and, and, and make a totalitarian state. Fine. You can't travel if you're not vaccinated in Canada. Our neighbor to the north, you cannot go on a train, an airplane, or a bus if you are not vaccinated. And as far as many people are concerned, we should just drop dead than non-vaccinated. We should, we should not be taken into emergency wards. Take in mass murderers. A mass murderer is wounded by the police, definitely treat him. But an unvaccinated person who has volunteered to help the poor their whole life, don't touch them. They're the scum of the earth, the unvaccinated. Because the CDC said, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Because the CDC knows only fear can have people believe the lies that they systemically, systematically tell. So I learned from the comments on that article in the New York Times, I learned how much fear, fear can pervert the natural desire for a child or a grandchild. Wow. Because the New York Times says it's an existential threat. It's an existential threat. I wish every Christian and Jew believed in the Bible as strongly as every, every leftist believes in the New York Times. All right. Hey, uh, my name is Morgan. Uh, I actually grew up listening to you talk radio. It was all my dad played in the car on the way to school. So, so I, wait, wait, wait. I want to know something. Were you annoyed with him? Oh, yeah. But, uh, hey, hey, I knew it. I was, I was a child. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if your children are never annoyed with you, you are doing a bad job. Okay, go ahead. I'm a former news personality and former politician, and I, I knew a lot of people in politics and in media who started out with a, like on a good moral compass and started out with strong values and went the way of like you get sucked in uh, to the negative and and people get sucked in to what man says and they get sucked in to trying to do things for likes or for they, they, they get sucked into an echo chamber and they don't stand for their values anymore and I know a lot of people in this room are considering running for office and are starting to get more involved in the community and I and I just want you to speak into because you're a man who has stood strong in your values and you've not wavered and and if you can speak life into everyone here on how you stayed that way that would be awesome what a, what a wonderful question Boy, you know, I, I've been taking too long in my answers because I see the, the length of the lines and I want to get as many as I can. But so you've asked a, a, such a serious and important question. I really haven't wavered. And so what is the answer? Believe it or not, 
I actually believe in God. And I believe that I have to answer to God and nobody else. And I can't tell you how easy it makes it. So let me tell you something. I'll never forget a fairly well-known person, I won't say who it is, uh, and, and who's become over the course of decades a friend of mine, I uh, was having a discussion with me. I, I remember it was at a pool in, in Florida. I, for some reason, I remember where. And he was talking to me. He's about 10 years younger than me, and he, or 15 years younger than me. Anyway, he said, what's your secret? You, you, you're, you're happy. And, and uh, I said, and, and then the, the question or the, or the issue evolved into, uh, you know, what if you're not more successful than you are now? Well, I had a radio show then, but, and that's wonderful, but it's, it's exponentially greater today with PragerU. I acknowledge that and my books. A anyway, I said to him, my view is if, if God wants me to succeed further, I will. And, 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 if, he, and if he doesn't, I'll live with what I've done. In the meantime, I have great friends, a great life. Uh, I, I, am, I am healthy. I, 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 I love what I'm doing. And he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe that I, I wasn't more motivated for success. That never struck me. I raised my boys. I don't give a damn what your grades are. I told this, oh, I only care about your character. I do not give a damn about your grades. I don't care if you do homework. I don't care if you go to college. I don't care if you go to Harvard or if you don't go to any college. It means nothing to me. And they're wonderful boys. And one went through a very difficult period for, for a whole host of reasons. So I, I, it hasn't been a, just an easy, an easy trip. But I, 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 I really... I really only care, no, I can't say, I care what people think. I care deeply what people think, because otherwise I'm not effective. But I have to answer to God. That's my, that's what keeps me non-wavering. Hi, it's such an honor to grow up with voices like you, especially when oh, thank you. I'm like a teenager, so. Uh, <laughs> What were the last words? I didn't hear it. Um, so when you post oh. stuff like Let's Go Brandon and stuff like that. Oh, that's funny. So you're, you're a teenager? <laughs> yes, I'm 17. I want to say a word about me and teenagers, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, how do you deal with like the hate comments and stuff like that, especially when you are my age and just trying to fit in? That's so important. Okay, so the, the, the answer is in your question. If you want to fit in, you, you can't deal with it. That's correct. So you have to decide how important fitting in is. It's, I know that it's, it's naturally deeply desired, especially in high school. I know that. And it takes tremendous courage and inner strength. So let me tell you a story. This may help you. It's a, it's a story about a 21-year-old, not a teenager, but 21 is pretty close to teens. 
so a, 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 a young woman wrote me a letter about two years ago. I don't see all my mail. I can't. But what, for whatever reason, I saw this. She writes to me that uh, she's a, a, uh, a sophomore at college, and my book, uh, Still the Best Hope, changed her life. She went from uh, left to right, and then watching PragerU videos reinforced it. And, and it was a very eloquent letter. And as I don't care about college, as I explained, but it was of interest to me, she goes to Harvard. So a Harvard kid went left to right. This interests me. So she happens to live in LA, and I invited her to, to uh, come by and visit the show. We spoke, I was very impressed with her, and I said, if you'd like to come on the show, you're invited. So the next time she comes in, or, or then, maybe it was even then, and tell of your evolution left to right, I think it would be important. And I said, however, I want you to know, and this is apropos to your question, I want you to know if you come on my show, you will lose friends, you will lose relatives, you will be mocked on Facebook and on Twitter and so on. I just, you, I, I, I feel morally bound to tell you this, what coming on the Dennis Prager show will do to you. I so intimidated her <laughs> that she said, well, let me call my mom. Which, by the way, I found so endearing and, and such a nice statement about her relationship with her mother. So she stepped out of the studio and I kept broadcasting my show. She comes back in, the next break says, I'm coming on. She came on. About six months later, I have her on again and I say, so what happened after you came on my show? She said, I went through two weeks of hell. Exactly what you said happened. I was mocked on Twitter and Facebook. I lost friends I had since elementary school. I was belittled. I, I was uh, at Harvard. I was made fun of and mocked. Goes on a, she goes on a fascist radio show. And I said, and then what happened? And then she said, I got into heaven. After two weeks of hell, I got into heaven. I said, what does that mean? Well, she said, for one thing, for every, every friend I lost, I got 10 new ones. <laughs> this is very important. You think you're alone. You think you're alone while you're in the closet. So here's Prager's rule. Everyone in a closet is alone. That's the whole point. You step out of the closet and you're not alone. You will meet wonderful human beings who share your values. And that's what happened to her. She has wonderful people in her life. And then she added another thing. She said, and I just want you to know, I slept better than I had in years. Because when you don't hide who you are, you sleep well.
Dennis, the last time that you were here, you told us that you were what you were taking for COVID, and since you obviously survived it, can you please tell us what you were taking, what doses they were, and how do you how do you spell that medication from Israel? And how I watch from Israel? How do you spell the medication from Israel? How do I spell the medication from Israel? Yes. That Is you it? talked about last time. Oh, I didn't know that there was a special medication from Israel. Maybe there is, but anyway, very simply, I wrote it up in in, in, a, in a column. My my, uh, I think last week. Yeah, last week I wrote. Uh, my column was, and you should all read my column every week. It's free. I'm not selling you anything, uh, but you really should. In fact, you should read all thousand columns that are up there. <laughs> I am proud to tell you they will touch your life deeply. You take any random five from 15 years ago. Anyway, I wrote about, uh, uh, I wrote about natural immunity versus vaccine immunity, and I wrote exactly what I took off the top of my head. I don't remember the dosages, because my, my wife doled them out. She is the maven on this issue. But I took ivermectin, I took hydroxychloroquine, I took zinc, I took selenium, I took vitamin D, I took vitamin C, and then when I was diagnosed positive, I got monoclonal infusion. Uh, and uh, I took it for a year, a year and a half, the hydroxychloroquine and zinc and the other stuff. Then when ivermectin became known, I started taking that. And my assumption was it would be a prophylactic, that if I get COVID, which in some ways I hoped I did, I wanted natural immunity, I, hoping that one day people would actually accept that in lieu, in lieu of a vaccination. But in any event, I knew that was the best immunity. And uh, I am otherwise very healthy, thank God. And uh, I just uh, assumed that if I get it, my symptoms will be truly minimal because of all of the prophylactic medicine I had been taking. That is exactly what happened in my life. And uh, uh, oh, I, it was nothing. So this is another reason I don't trust the medical profession. They're calling ivermectin which won the Nobel, the, the inventor of ivermectin won the Nobel Prize for medicine for humans. And the New York Times calls it a horse dewormer. They lie, of course it's a horse dewormer, but you might as well say aspirin is good for dogs' headaches. The fact that an aspirin is given to a dog doesn't mean it's made for dogs. It's just a New York Times left-wing medical lie. Ivermectin is for people. Hi, Mr. Prager, thank you for being here. I'm a college freshman at University San Diego, and my question for you is in that very secular and leftist environment, how to survive it and how to maybe influence the lives of the people who tend to sway that way for the better. Wait, so how can you survive it and how can you influence people? Doing, no, no, that's, that is the question. To survive it, I don't know what survive means. If survive is literal, will I come out alive, you will survive. You don't mean that though. You don't, you're not worried about being shot. By the way, I'm not even worried about being shot, just for the record. I, I, it, for whatever reason, it, it, there are a lot of people who would like to shoot me. I, I, there are, but they, I don't think they will. I just. For whatever reason, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I don't walk around with fear, as you can tell. I am a happy guy, and happiness is a great weapon. And by the way, I want, this is really super serious, not something I've ever talked about, I don't think, in public, but 
I really like you guys. It's, uh, I do, I do. I, it's, it's, you're a special, a special lawyer. You, you got something great here, Pastor. Yeah. I, you do. See, I just want to say this. I would like to live many years. I love life. I love my life. And I know how many people love me. And, but I, I have to tell you, the truth is I don't fear dying. I don't know what there is to fear. In, uh, now, I'm not even talking religion, just common sense. Either there's nothing, so I'm not in pain, and I don't know there's nothing while there's nothing, or there is something, and a good God will take care of me, and I believe that. So, so there's certainly nothing to fear. I don't understand fearing death. I understand not wanting to die. I don't want to die, but I don't live a life to prevent dying. I live a life. The purpose of life is not to live long. It is to live well. That's, that's what I believe. It's very important. So, so that's, that's really critical. Anyway, so that was because of your word survive. I really went off on a tangent on survive. <laughs> if you speak out, I don't even know if the University of California, San Diego, will, UCSD would even publish a dissenting piece in its newspaper, would it? University San Diego, they do have... Oh, it's not UC San Diego. University no. of San Diego, yeah, yeah? they do have some conservative journalists. Okay, that's paper. fantastic. Or, you know, or even for, just submit one as a student. That's what you have to do. So you know in advance some people will call you all sorts of names because whoever differs with the left is smeared. Never argued with, smeared. This started, by the way, I, 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 this was my field of study, communism. I went to communist countries, I studied Russian, I learned Russian, I read the Soviet communist newspaper regularly, Pravda. So I, I, I know how this works. I don't know if you ever heard, you should, Trotsky. Trotsky, was the, was, Trotsky and Lenin founded the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. They were the two most important communists who lived uh, at, uh, in, in, then, and obviously followed by Stalin. So Stalin and Trotsky vied for succession when Lenin died in 1924. Uh, tr obviously, tr uh, Stalin won, Trotsky fled the Soviet Union, and this is the man who founded the Red Army, who was one of the most important communists who ever lived, and what did Trotsky call him? A fascist. Trotsky, that's when it began. The left always calls its enemies fascists, even if they're communists. That's what they do. They only know how to do that. They don't know how to debate. They don't want to debate. Anyway, you'll be called all these names. If you understand that in advance, know this. Maybe some really handsome conservative will reach out to you. There you go, a younger me. Hi, thank you so much for being here and sharing your incredible wisdom with us. Um, there are many teenagers in the room sitting in this section over there. Um, and with the team that's responsible for pastoring and developing them, what's the one thing you would say to those teenagers and the one thing that you would say to the youth team? And one thing I would say to? The youth team. The Deve youth team? Developing the teenagers. Okay. Yeah. I really, everything I've said is applicable, but since this would have to be the final one, sadly, because I, I hate when there's people in line and I don't get to them. Forgive me, all of you. 
Uh, I don't know what to say. I really do. I feel terrible. But, but like I do, by the way, on my radio show, when I see all, the whole list of callers that I can't take, I always apologize to them. Okay, so very often people come over to me and say, Dennis, I'm having a child in, in, you know, in, in February. Uh, what's the one piece of advice you would give me uh, you know, or to tell them, to tell them. And, and I would say this, and, and I say this if you're 20, not, not just if you're a newborn. The most important thing to do in life is fight your nature. That is the single most important thing. And by the way, that's another secular religious difference. I've said this all of my life. Kids, I went to a religious Jewish school till I was 19. Half the day in Hebrew, uh, religious subjects, half the day in English, secular subjects. I'm really immersed in this stuff. I was immersed in this stuff. What was the biggest difference between my education? And by the way, you could put in religious Christians, the same, same category. Religious Christians, religious Jews, education versus secular education. Biggest difference? Here's the biggest difference. We, we all learn, Christian and Jew, that the biggest problem in our lives is us. In secular life, you learn the biggest problem in your life is America. Whoa. Wow. That's sick. That is destructive. You can't make a good person who doesn't fight their nature. I was taught that the biggest problem in Dennis Prager's life is Dennis Prager. Not your parents, right. not your environment, <coughs> not, not your income, right. not, and certainly not America. America, let me tell you this. My father wrote his senior class thesis at City College of New York in the 19, so he was born in 1918, so 20 and 1938. It's a long time ago. He wrote his senior class thesis on anti-Semitism in America. He was an Orthodox Jew, graduated City College. And he raised my brother and me to believe we were the luckiest Jews in Jewish history to live in the United States of America. And he was right. And guess what? You're the luckiest black in the world to live in the United States of America. The luckiest gay, the luckiest Hispanic, the luckiest lesbian, the luckiest anything you want to mention. You are lucky to live in the United States of America. All right. That's a good one to end on. I love you, everybody. I love you.